This is Sounds About Right, a University of Dayton Human Rights Center podcast where we dive into human rights issues in our world. We engage with student voices, uncover the truth from on and off campus partners, and share resources to the student body. Let's get started. In season two, we're going to be focusing on environmental justice and indigenous rights. That's something that Guy Jones actually said when we all first met him for the first time. Oh struck me. It was just oh the fact God. that we were talking about this distinction between environmental justice and indigenous rights. And he, he said, well, why are you separating them? Mm-hmm. They've, they've always been linked together. We've always been relying on the environment. We all do to this day, and we always will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. So, so one thing that I think is hugely important for people who want to be good indigenous advocates is you have to divorce yourself from the idea that the United States is always the hero in every story. I feel like the importance of environmental justice, it doesn't just affect like one group of people or it doesn't affect one area. It kind of affects everybody kind of the same way. No, they're not illegals. Those are climate refugees. Yeah, so the Sustainable Development Goals were adapt- adopted in, in 2015. There are 17 goals that are intended to really be fairly comprehensive so that for all countries in the world, pretty, pretty much since it's a UN thing, everybody agreed to it. Um, the, the idea is that this we're all in this. It's not something that's just for developing countries. The Sustainable Development Goals are intended to be for everybody. Um, during like when we started coming up uh, for the theme for season two and talking about like environmental justice and then especially the interviews that we had talking about how to make UD like the community and you know the state as a whole more sustainable. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the questions I had was how to like how to make sustainability equitable because not all like socioeconomic statuses can, you know, have the same level of being sustainable. So definitely one thing, one way that um, environmental justice has impacted the Dayton community is health. Health is a big thing. Environmental health, that's the thing. West Dayton, um, they have a lot of different industrial factories. They have different, um, yeah, just a lot of industrial factories. And so with industrial factories, they tend to release a lot of different chemicals and pollutants which means that people living in that area, they are at high risk of all sorts of different diseases because of those pollutants that are released. So West Dayton has a lot of those industrial factories, but South Dayton, that's like Oakwood, Centerville, Kettering, that area, they don't have as many. And honestly, they probably have none, to be honest with you. And so if you look at the different health disparities, you'll find a lot more cancer patients. You'll find a lot more asthma patients in West Dayton than in South Dayton. And that's definitely a huge thing. And it also doesn't help that West Dayton doesn't have very many health healthcare facilities compared to South Dayton. People in communities, like so many indigenous communities, for centuries and generations have been living their lives one with nature. Um, and it really is this capitalistic system and mindset that so many people in the United States in the United States have that um, pushes more unethical consumption and um, taking from the earth rather than being one with it. Often it does really start at the local level because there's very specific relationships between individual indigenous peoples, tribes, and specific sites, right? So, I mean, that's that, that's one element is just really having that sense of why, you know, the sense of, like say within Diné or Navajo tradition, like the placement within the four sacred mountains, like that specific location on this blue marble that we're sitting on 
you know, the, the, the importance of the people having that rootedness in that place, or they would say that they have been placed, right? Going back to the original stories and understandings and all of that. So to be suddenly shifted to a completely different location on the globe, it's not like that location wouldn't have its own value, but what it would mean in terms of culture, nation, rights, to not be in that specific location. There was a very huge community of indigenous people in Ohio, especially as we speak right now, we are built on burial ground. So that is something to be very, very aware of um, being here, that this was not land that we asked permission to use or to build this beautiful campus that you're on, but still acknowledging the fact that um, there were people here before you and they had practices and traditions that were before us and before we even um, moved into camp. I am a big old nerd and I brought notes. <laughs> so no, I'm gonna be okay. referencing my little note paper. <laughs> One thing I really wanted to like speak into this space was this idea of what it means to be indigenous. So when mm -hmm. we talk about that word in general, it's really important and also a really cool opportunity to kind of unpack it, right? So there's a lot of research out there that just these magnificent giants on whose shoulders I am standing, uh, that they've done related to taking the term indigenous and opening it up past it as just like an identity category. So mm -hmm. it's more, so much more than just like, I identify as, right? It's so much more than that. It's an entire way of living. It's an entire way of knowing. It's a whole body of knowledge that people interact with and challenge. So it's more than the <laughs> fancy academic word that we're going for here is like epistemological, <laughs> but okay. that's like a really tough and also really like inaccessible way to talk about it. So really what we're saying is it's more than just this is who I am as a person. It's this is how I live. This is the community I am part of. This is my view of the whole world. So it's so much more than just like an identity category. Honestly, you really can't talk about anything concerning the environment without talking about indigenous people. And it, it's not a bad thing, but it's still kind of sad. We still have to build larger awareness mm -hmm. before we move forward. And I mean, I will say like at the university, I've had a lot of openness towards doing this work. It just has to be slow mm -hmm. and intentional to grow and be sustainable. Yeah. Right. Because again, everyone oftentimes is like, ooh, there's something bad. Let's go fix it right away. Mm -hmm. They don't oftentimes take the time to learn about themselves. I think that the, there are a lot of things we can still do on campus. We can do better with our energy use and, and I mean the Sustainability Institute and our students work with facilities management here and there really there really are changes happening on campus as to how we use energy and how we try to do our own part within the confines of campus to, to really use energy more efficiently and as more and more as much as we can to renewable energy. You know that you're sort of limited on campus here what you can do individually because you live either in dorms or you live in the student housing and so there's you don't have a lot of control over that but being aware I mean always you know the usual things that you know your parents tell you turn off the lights or, or thinking about how to reduce energy use in your own living situation but the other one is is continuing to put pressure on faculty and on the university as a, as an institution to to undertake this transformation. I think my my conviction after being here for thirty years is that that that's what 
the university listens to oftentimes. If the students are really starting to push something, it doesn't have to be all students, but if there's a significant voice of students who want to push something, then the university will listen to that. And I think they'll do so, frankly, more than they will listen to faculty members. So we're going to run out of clean water here by the year 2035. And we know we have the technology and the knowledge as to the composition of water, but we can't make it. You can. You're a woman. The first nine months of your life, you lived in water. And women can make it. Women have that ability. I can't. You can. This system was created based off imperialism and colonialism, so it's like kind of putting glitter on dirt, like, okay, like we can try to like kind of fix that, but like we can't. So it's like we have to wash away the dirt and retill the land because like this is like you can't fix an already broken system. And there's no way to really create opportunity when the system was created to not give opportunity. Mm -hmm. so, so could you work to advocate for reparations to be in other forms? Yeah, it's just a hard little road. It's like it's yeah. a hard little road. That stone that you're pushing up the hill is like 40 megatons. And you can't like, push it's down just the hill. Not gonna, I, maybe that's because I'm not an optimistic person, but like I don't see it happening in any capacity for any group. So what's the advocacy that should be done? It's a million dollar question. Let me think for so a second. It's a million dollar question.